It's a playoff-heavy episode this week, and you don't want to miss a second of it on this week of the Indie Ball Report podcast. Back again, episode number 231 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. Ryan has now managed to make his way to the lawn, so he's gone from the walls to the basement to the attic to the roof to now the lawn. However, he does have an arrow in his knee, so that is going to be problematic for him. Yeah, it was a great adventure before this. Um, but yeah, panhandling for snacks was not the move, apparently. Yeah, no, neither was cheese it, Yeah, neither was petting the mangy deer that's in my yard. That was not great. I mean, stronger than you would think, man. Just so scrappy when it comes to fighting over. Those are triscuits, but here's what it is. <laughs> triscuits. All right. That's the young a... ones, their little hooves can get in your eyes. Don't fight the fawns. The fawns are innocent here. They're a lot like, you know, like like country. They're not really dangerous. They're just kind of innocent and cute. That's a really funny description of like lake country. I haven't ever verbalize that but now you are exactly right yeah and the fun thing is bro they're part yeah, of our go game. ahead nope i'm yeah, not I, gonna go i'm not gonna do it i'm not I gonna do it actually, i already caught myself once yeah we're on we're actually on a time crunch this week i have a whole thing it says one hour 15 minutes we know we're not gonna make that time but i'm just shooting to get in that ballpark range but sure we have a fun game like country is a part of it they may or may not get selected it involves a wheel random choice this would be a great thing of YouTube content, but because I'm quite frankly lazy and don't do really any YouTube content, even though I mean to get into it, but I just don't do it, uh, you're not going to get to see the wheel. You'll just have to take my word for it. And uh, we'll explain that later on when we get deeper into the show. What we have first here is an interesting setup for the week where there really isn't any news and there was no contract purchases. So we just kind of skip right into baseball talk, which... It's kind of what we should have done last week, but we had Gastonia updates and other things like that. I was very tempted to throw another Gastonia update in, but like the only thing that I saw was like Ballpark Digest throwing out an exact number owed to the city or something along those lines. But it really wasn't anything new in the way of things we've talked about here before. So, yeah, and I wasn't even overly confident that that was the correct number. It's not shading ballpark digest, but I do think that's only the number that they could get tracked into one place. But I think they have a lot of money in a lot of different places. But that is, as you said, a different conversation. And honestly, there has not been a lot of news on that one. They've kind of um, gone a little quiet over the past couple of weeks, and I'm just sort of sitting back and seeing what happens next. Yeah, it seems like they've gone into full lockdown protection mode, like we mentioned last week with a lot of NDAs flying around. It feels as though... Mm-hmm. Uh, those are start, starting to have their uh, desired effect. And it seems like they have gotten more of a cold in the room so and around the organization. So I imagine that's going to slow down a bit. But uh, where there is a will, there is a way and more information will certainly leak out through the cracks over time. And mm-hmm. obviously, when you owe a considerable amount of money and you're in the situation that that particular ownership group is in, There's going to be movement one way or the other, and the more movement there is, the more people involved, the more people involved, the more uh, holes that show up in the ship. So we'll see. I'm uh, going to step in real quick because, no, no, two things did jump out of it, and it bothered me, so I'm going to mention both. One didn't really bother me. It's just an add-on fact. Um, 
the amount cited by Ballpark Digest was $88,038.75. That is, yes, the amount of like back rent and like I think the utility is owed to the city, but that does not include like the added unpaid salaries, what's owed to local businesses, what's owed in like other sources of things. I don't believe it. uh, I might include the EMS and police, but I'm not sure about that one. So that was one. Uh, the other one that bothered me was when Veronica Jones said, um, there's a plan. We've always had a plan. There's no plan. Um, the plan is to shut people up until they can find a way to successfully sell. And um, she said they did start out during COVID-19 when other businesses were closing down. And I just don't think it's a valid thing at all. I think it's a BS excuse. They opened in 2021, which obviously was still COVID affected, but not in the same way, man. To, they're trying to compare themselves to other businesses who struggled through the pandemic. I'm like, yeah, because they had a plan that involved making certain revenue in 2020 when they weren't even allowed to open. You didn't miss a game. Yeah. Uh, you just can't draw fans. Uh, there's a reason your attendance is about the same as it was during the pandemic. So there you go. Yep. All right. So three points and then we'll move on from this because this is literally the only bit of news before we get into actual series talk. So what we meant to do last week, we're doing this week. First mm-hmm. point, I just found out someone else is about to be blocked from ballpark die just on uh, X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it this week. Uh, all I know is you can't find uh, YouTube video thumbnails on there anymore. Uh, mm. Two, uh, I find it kind of funny that they're going with the uh, pandemic excuse when, like you said, it was 2021, still affected, but not like as affected. Uh, an organization that would have way more of a claim to, you know, have some struggles and be able to blame COVID even into 2023, which kind of goes into point three, which is we're two years removed from this. What's the excuse now? would be like Mm -hmm. an Ottawa where it's like, yeah, we kind of meant to open up in 21 and then pandemic kind of still made it impossible to go across the borders that we had to do team Quebec and we were on kind of a delay. And then we lost like a decent amount of guys that were going to be part of building the baseball side of things that we had to adjust on the fly. That is, you know, a bit of a different situation there and they had a much greater challenge and they're not really playing that card. Now, granted, Ottawa was a different situation, different country, different everything there. And I don't really even know what's happening over there. But if there was an org to play that card, a place like Ottawa has a far better claim to that than a place like Gastonia does. Uh, I 100% agree. Um, and also, yeah, Ballpark Digest, please don't block me. I literally, Ballpark Digest is one of the early sites that like helped me like fall in love with baseball. Sort of, I was interested as a kid, but like, I always loved like looking at all different parks and I want to, that's when I was like, I want to travel and go to every obscure park. And now I cover indie ball. So, you know, so really you should be blaming them for stuff right now. I mean, look at the course that they set you on. No, that's okay. I could have gone worse courses. I mean, let's remember I was playing rugby for a while and I have not been thrown through the air while covering indie ball to this point. So we'll see. I was going to say not yet. You haven't got to uh, Gastonia since reporting on this yet. That's still, I know it's in my head. Good news is, though, there are police and EMS there now, so you should be okay after you get thrown through the air. But uh, <laughs> Fantastic. That's all I ask. <laughs> yeah, so uh, any case, I'll leave any other ballpark uh, digest thoughts on where they're at. In any case, we got a series preview to do, and we're not even 10 minutes into the episode yet. Isn't this fun? Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. Uh, so, series preview. couple options this week. Didn't want to go back to the Quebec well. It seemed a little extreme to do them back-to-back weeks and possibly back-to-back-to-back weeks. So we're going to switch over to a league that I really don't think we've talked all that much about in recent weeks. 
which would be the American Association. Normally, we've been talking about like Frontier and Atlantic's bow. We get to cover the other one. We get to go out west. Heavy out west show this week, actually. But in any event, we're talking Lincoln versus Fargo. Normally, All right. normally highlighting two sub-500 teams would not be a thing we're doing here. But they're actually in a very hot playoff race at the moment. And I didn't realize this until I started doing the notes earlier today, which is that whole division for the three, four, and five spots are all extremely close. Like Fargo's technically in third, one game under 500. Lincoln in second, about two games under 500. And then Sioux Falls is only a game out of that fourth place spot. And they're on a five-game heater. And that's not the closest race in the American Association. Yeah. American Association's insane right now. Yeah, like that's the thing that just kind of slid under the radar. So, you know, I I feel like this is probably a decent one to cover. Like, obviously, there's some stuff in the East. I'm looking at, like, Chicago right now that's only separated from Lake Country, who is in the second to last spot in the East by two games. So, it's a whole thing here. And honestly, like, I'm looking at it right now. It's not even like Gary is that far out of it. They're probably out of it just because there's too much going on in front of them, but like they're not that far out of it. Really, the only American Association team, and this happened last year as part of the playoff system, which is both a positive and a negative. I understand it both ways, so we won't go over it again, but really the only team out of it is Winnipeg, if we want to get down to it. Winnipeg's got too much work to do, I think, but that's... Five games with like 25 left. That's a little much to do. But any event, uh, we're talking Lincoln. We're talking Fargo. Uh, they are the last two teams in the West playoffs, as I just mentioned. A game and a game and a half up on Sioux Falls for the uh, final playoff spot. Only two and two and a half games back of second place in their division. Both teams are three and seven in their last 10 as of the time of recording. So these are two teams that are fairly evenly matched, even if you want to break it down with all the major categories for both batting and pitching they're all pretty much right in the middle it's like one seven one's eight one's eight one seven it goes like that there's one area where they were different i want to say it was on base where there was about a 20 point difference lincoln had the edge in that one but even still it's not like there's these crazy gaps between these two teams they are pretty damn even which if you would have said that to start the year it would have been a it would have been a very crazy thing to say, even in the beginning of the year, to say that Fargo, that started off extremely hot, would be in the same realm as Lincoln. You'd have to assume either something went really good for Lincoln or really bad for Fargo. Yeah, which, I mean, I am tempted to say something went really bad for Fargo. I mean, I mean 12 I and 14 about, since though. July 1. 12. Oh, 12 wait, and 24, 12 and 12 and 24. Meant to say. Oh yeah. Okay. We did the same math then. I had that 12 yeah. and 20, whatever record. Yeah. Um, yeah, boy. Uh, I mean, it imagine if you said that to them that day, I think they were 25 and 13 at the time. Um, yeah, man, wheels just falling off. And I'd love to see a stat breakdown of since that date, but of course can't really get that going. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't know, man. What do you think of this? You've been covering the American Association a little bit longer. Um, it feels like this is a weird thing. Is is that a correct read on this? Like the fact that like these two have coincided so closely now in this division suddenly? Yeah, it feels like that. In the past, you'd always have one or two that would kind of be like duking it out. It's also weird given the playoff system. You know, in the past, the system was different, right? Like we've only had mm-hmm. this one for two years. So it's really hard to grab too much of a historical precedence under the old system. 
the divisions were a bit different too. But, you know, you wouldn't have the same kind of fight. You'd have more teams out of it. And I think that would also affect the way you run your team as well. Uh, that said, just given the recent history between the two, you know, Coast has been better at building teams. He's found those mid-year replacements. He's built stronger teams out of the gate. Lincoln's kind of been more middling. Brett Jody teams are normally pitching teams. That's at least the case in Somerset. They were never really strong hitting teams. I mean, when Will Kenger, who's batting about 300, is leading the way and is quite clearly the only guy that can hit, as was the case that mm. last year in Somerset, you know that says a lot. <laughs> and yeah. now you kind of look at the inverse and it's like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Lincoln's this godsend of a hitting team. I mean, they're hitting 261 as a team. It's better than Fargo is by like, what, three points? So not just chasm here, but they aren't the same kind of team. Now, as of late, they happen. You know, last week, sub four ERA for a Lincoln and a team that's hitting under 200 definitely screams more of a Brett Jody type of team. Not to say that, you know, I know I like disparage his ability to work on the batting side of things, but the man was a pitcher for his whole playing career and then became a pitching coach. So it's kind of a given he's going to know and probably care a little bit more about one side of the ball than the other. And it kind of shows here. So as far as to the point of, is this kind of like closeness that abstract? I wouldn't say that abstract. I just think that given the, the playoff race and now actually looking and paying attention to how close everything is, it feels more pronounced than it has in past years. Okay. Yeah, I mean, either of them is a great hitting team, right? But yeah, it does look like Lincoln at least has a more complete setup going, like a, a more complete lineup night to night. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think back to the last few games I watched. I haven't seen them in about like a week and a half, of course, and then we're talking about them today. Um, I don't know. I just, that Fargo team, the thing that strikes me every time I see them is how difficult a time they seem to have putting together a complete game, like a, a full, like, well-pitched game or a well like composed lineup that actually is a threat throughout the whole um the whole game and doesn't have just like a dead inning here or there or just a rally kill somewhere and i mean i've seen a few lincoln games i i honestly have not been much more impressed with lincoln than i have been by fargo but i do feel like uh there's been less of that the less of a struggle for any sort of consistency which i feel like fargo really has had over the past like month and a half i mean i think that's fair i think for me, at least when I look at the two teams, I think you have a Lincoln team that plays into its strengths a bit more. I'll also cut Fargo a bit of a break for a while. They were, you know, kind of injured, kind of hurt. True. You know, they've, they've yeah. lost some guys there. They've had to make some adjustments on the fly, too. I do like that they brought in Tasker Strobel, but I think they're also kind of hurt by the fact that if you look at a lot of their key performers from last year, either they, like I mentioned earlier, have been hurt or they have not lived up to that same level. Also, I mean, losing a guy like uh, Thomas, I think it was Dylan Thomas, who got picked up by the Angels, if I'm not mistaken, after 33 games, that's a big bat they lose, by far their best bat. So that's going to hurt you there, and they've just had a hard time kind of stemming the gap, right? I mean, look at a guy like Nick Novak, a big part last year, not really performing. A guy like Leo Pena that has been a model of consistency in the past, not really doing the same. Corral Prime was good to start the year, has kind of fallen off, but he's a decent two-way player, which I think, again, if you have to have a guy playing both sides of the ball, unless it's an Otani type of situation where, you know, they're an all-star level player 
on both sides is probably not a good setup. Alec Oland, who again, like was solid, but as you know, kind of leveled off a little bit. Boskin's doing well. Evan Alexander's doing well. There's other guys that are kind of chipping in here. Pitching side, Kevin McGovern's still doing well. Matthias Grauer's kind of stepped back a little bit. You know, they they lost Feldman too after four starts, which isn't great. You know, you just go through here and it just doesn't seem like they're able to get the same kind of production of the guys they need it from. Whereas with Lincoln, they did lose their best player in Altman and they didn't have even half a season of Bird like they did last year. So it seems that they just kind of said, all right, we're going to do things a little bit differently. And it's kind of worked out. I don't want to say it's worked out for either side because, I mean, one team's, you know, been 12 games under 500 for the majority of the season at this point, And the other team is under 500 since the All-Star break, but slightly yeah, better. True. So, like, neither side's really doing great. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just one team's able to play with their weaknesses more and do more of the few strengths they have than the other. Yeah, and I'm just like tracking one thing here, which is it, the weird one I see. So like Lincoln, I think, has four guys with ERAs under a four coming out of their bullpen right now, mm-hmm. like consistent arms that are just getting it done. Um, and meanwhile, Fargo's got one, uh, Eliezer's, and he looks good i've actually yeah. liked him he, i don't know if i've seen him give up a run in a game i've watched yet but um neither here nor there <laughs> but uh yeah. yeah after that it's like alex DeBord, which is he's a strikeout guy but he's struggling with the zone consistency he's struggling him um just put together like good solid angles consistently enough but damn that dude can strike some guys out there actually i was thinking about the last time i saw him too anyway um but that's what far he's got cooking but um yeah, Lincoln has those four, but then I think Lincoln only has like one or two starters with a sub four five ERA right now. And then I think actually they might only have one. Yeah, it's Holmberg, Dennis Holmberg. Who yeah, and Fargo I think has like three, which is a you know it's interesting. I feel like in every way they kind of come back toward the center on each other. Yeah, where yeah, I mean Fargo, I kind of like some of the pieces they have, but they're not doing much right now. And Lincoln, I'm maybe not as blown away by the guys they have on the roster, but they're all playing really well, or not all, but you know they're playing more consistently. Yeah, they're playing and up the pitching potential. side. Yeah, late innings, like Lincoln's holding it down. And in the early going, I'm more trusting of Fargo's starting rotation. So it's kind of a weird weird split, but I still... Yeah, this is a good series. Good pick by you, man. Nice yeah. done. I know. I thought it was... Like, at first, I was just like, ooh, two teams fighting for a playoff spot. And then the DBUN, I was like, oh, you know what? Actually, these teams are pretty evenly matched. I mean, I was just doing a quick search, but I think it was, yeah, just the times that they are next to each other in the league rankings. Yeah, uh, OPS next to each other, slugging. Uh, batting average or oh, barely separated. And then when it comes to, like run scored and all that, yeah, they're right there. Same with the pitching side next to each other in ERA. Yeah. Crazy, man. Yeah. Good one. It's going to be a good one. Yep. I guess that's how you end up with records right next to each other. So maybe that's not that much of a breakthrough for me. Fair, but even still, like <laughs> you, normally you could at least see one side, like dominate one side of the ball, but struggle on the other. This is just like they're just like, yeah, no, we're basically the same. And that's just yeah. kind of the situation. Uh, meanwhile, just want to point out just some of the stat stuff here because I have written it down, so I want to kind of use it. Uh, Fargo does have the edge overall in the series so far, six and two. One game is also suspended due to rain, so I'm not sure when that's going to be made up or if it's going to be made up during this week or during this series. I don't think it is, but there's something there to be said there. Um, they also have 10 straight road games after this series for Fargo. Right, so yeah. that's a tough stretch there. And our, that's part of the reason why I like the series is 
this is a big series for Fargo. You're going to be on the road for a while. Yeah, you close on either a six or seven game homestead, which, you know, is a nice way to end the year and could be a, a saving grace. But this is a tough two week stretch when you get done with this one. So that's something you got to watch out for. Also, in August, they are minus 10 on the run differential, outscored 49 to 39. That's something mm. to watch out for as far as the Lincoln side goes. While, yes, they've lost the majority of games, two and six, obviously, it's their record against Fargo. The run differential on these is even. They've scored the oh, same amount of it. runs. Yeah, like that's just and another it's obvious. Yeah. And they've scored the exact amount of runs. It's just the way they were distributed is uh, not working out in their favor, which I feel is like such a baseball thing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, in a nutshell, there's baseball for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm and checking uh, in. Yeah. While, uh, while you're doing your check thing, just two other points about Lincoln, real quick. Uh, they only have 10 road games remaining on the season. Uh, the Fargo series that we're talking about, uh, Sioux Falls and Kane County. And one interesting note about Lincoln is while Fargo only has two series left uh, against the Eastern teams, Lincoln has a grand total of seven games at least against the East. They end with seven straight against the East. So if they wind up in a position where they need to kind of make up games quick, that's not going to be possible at the end. They're playing against, you know, King County is one, I believe. I think it's Cleburne for the other. I'm looking, too, at uh, what Fargo's been up to lately because they have lost six of eight. Yeah. It did look, they cleaned up on Winnipeg for a little bit there, but yeah, um, lost three in a row to Sioux City. They currently have split a series of Sioux City, and they're in a rain delay right now. Um, oh, that's a late night for Sioux City. They got a four-and-a-half-hour bus ride home after this one. But I'm um, just looking. I, I think that's interesting. Um, I like seeing... When a team has been inconsistent, I at least like seeing who their losses and wins have been coming against. And it's, um, I mean, not overly promising, to be honest. I mean, Sioux City, I feel like we probably don't think highly enough of Sioux City because I see Sioux City and go, damn, like, how are you getting cleaned up by them? They remember they're two games above in the standings right now. So, hell, man, maybe it's just I got some old perceptions in my head of no, I think um, it's just they're how very... things were, even if I'm thinking of just how they were a month and a half ago. <laughs> they're just a, such an inconsistent team because they remember they start off really hot, then bottomed out, then got better then kind of got bad again, and then they got better again. So, like, I don't think it's we're thinking of them in the wrong way or holding an old misconception about them. It's just they're very inconsistent. Sometimes it works out, yeah. sometimes it doesn't. So, And then through that whole time, Fargo started hot and then got bad. So they went through their own stretch, too. So they're just like, you know, it's like a wild night in college. Everyone's streaking around each other. <laughs> yeah, which notable thing here. The next, okay. yeah, just one notable thing here. Uh, obviously, Fargo's at Newman today. They're at home. Mm -hmm. uh, you said they're in a rain delay or weather delay or something like that. So there's that. Yep. Their next road trip starts tomorrow. It goes to Winnipeg, so not that bad of a road trip. Come home for three against the Lincoln, obviously, series we're talking about. Then it's their massive road trip, and then they're back home against Newman. Uh, back home in Newman, their lake country in Winnipeg to end the year. Honestly, that's not a bad slate to end. Plus, I see Gary in the road trip. I'm kind of chalking up the Kansas City series to go to after Lincoln as just like a lost cause of a series at this point. Gotta get, I mean, hell, if you can steal two, but gotta get one. Can't let them clean you up like that. Kansas City might be sitting at that point where they could clinch right around then, too. Yeah, I could see that. If they start pulling away. I mean, it's going to be a little too early, but they can get to a spot where they're real damn close. Oh, and I just noticed something here. It's going to be rough. They don't have a Monday off day. They go right from Kansas City at 7 o'clock. Right to Gary the following day. That's a that's a tough one. Yeah, it must have been a rainout game or something. Yeah, and then right after the Thursday game, 
in Gary, they go right to uh, Sioux City, so they go back out to Iowa. Damn. So they have a 10-game road trip with the only off day being when they get done in Sioux City, Monday off day, back to Newman. Yeah, they have off days on the 14th and the 28th. Yeah. So that's that's the remaining of their August off days. Congrats. That's it for the season for them. Well, I mean, there's only Labor Day weekend, so I mean, like, you know, not like the extra four days are really going to move the needle all that much, but... True, but it's just, when you think about it, you're like, oh, you got like 20-something games left, and you've got two off days basically coming up, and you're like, oh, all right. Yeah, so... It's going to be a... Nine season, boys. Yeah, really. So, that's just, that's a factor in all this, too. Yep, I agree. So, yeah, as far as the actual series goes, seeing as we've talked about the greater effects of it and just are being very even, any sort of thought on who pulls the series out? Oh, man, uh, that's a really good question. Um, that's why I asked it. Think, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to, like, overly take time here, but also, like, who's pitching in this series? Because, like, as I said, like, got three solid starters with Fargo. If they're lined up, I'm like, well, you know, um... You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going for it. I already got the box square up, so I know should be pitching. Um, I would say I'm leaning toward Lincoln taking two out of three for the record. Um, but let's see. Who pitched last night for Fargo? Davis. Hmm. Quick math. Okay. You know. Uh, in case you're wondering here who pitched last night for Lincoln, that would be Holmberg. Doesn't matter as much to me about Lincoln, which is funny. It's just because they kind of are they flatten out more. But the higher, the top end of the Fargo rotation is like notably better, and that's kind of what has my attention. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Oh, I'm gonna say. I mean, he should. So it, I, I kind of no. I'm going to go Fargo takes two out of three. Yeah, they're at home. I like the pitching they have lined up. I'm going Fargo takes two out of three. Coming off and off day. I know Lincoln is, but yeah. I think Fargo might need it more. <laughs> so uh, Fargo, especially because they have the weaker bullpen, I think that's a bigger deal for them. So yeah, I'm going to go Fargo two out of three. I can see that. The only thing I will say is I think it depends how Brett Jody manages the Kansas City series before it. Agreed. I, I think that's if he... a really good point. Yeah, if he, for whatever reason, goes chips in against the Monarchs, then, yeah, I, I like the Red Hawks to take this series. But I have to imagine he's intelligent enough to know this isn't the series we're going to win. I don't want to be defeatist, but, I mean, like, let's be honest here. This You're playing the team with the best record in the league. And just handled Milwaukee, who is realistically the only challenger to him. And they handled him with, I don't want to say relative ease, but, I mean, at this point they took, what, two or three out of the four? With tonight's yeah. game still pending, yeah. so like, come on, eight and two team, you're not you're not getting up on Kansas City now. It's not the time. If you say our bullpen's what's going to keep us alive in the next one, let's try to not burn it. The starters are already what the starters are. Give me everything you can get me, and then just play to win the next one. Then I think it's Lincoln two out of three. Otherwise, yeah, I'll agree with Fargo. All right, I can get on board with that man. Yep. So that, All that logic checks to me. Yeah, right. So that brings us to the end of the series preview. We're doing pretty good on time, which is kind of surprising. But hey, 
Maybe we're turning over a new leaf. Any event, uh, we got to go to hot and not now. We're going to kick it off with one of the teams we just mentioned, which is the Kansas City Monarchs, an 8-2 and two team in their last 10. Uh, over the last week, they are hitting over 240 with 13 home runs and 73 runs scored, the best record in the league. Uh, this is a team that has rediscovered who they are. Yeah, I mean, Kansas City has just been... Honestly, this was a week where they showed us a lot. I mean... So currently they're down to Milwaukee, which is weird. I'm seeing two scores in front of me, so I'm not entirely sure if they are actually down. One says four three, one says three three. Um, pulling it up, it is five to three. Oof. So they're down two right now, but they just uh, won two in a row of Milwaukee. Handled business against Winnipeg, and that's the thing I, I think the Kansas City stands out like the most. Uh, like obviously they're a very very good team, but it's the way that they like they beat the teams they need to beat for the vast majority of the time. They had that weird slide there where they had trouble with like King County and I think Sioux City back to back. Other than that, I, like I'd love to see the record against teams below 500 because they just get it done so consistently. And then I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time ever since the, I think they swept Fargo at one point mid season. And since then I feel like they've just been cleaning up on good teams too. So, I mean, I'm certainly not going to be the one to bet against them. They look like a team that's going to be really good in the playoffs. They're going to be rested and playing those teams that, um, the rest of it is in. They can kind of coast to the probably last 10 days of the season at this rate. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think they're going to be so dangerous, man. I, I, there's so few weak points in them, just looking at you know where they stack up in the league, looking at the individuals they have. It's just going to be... Uh, I don't envy anybody. There's a reason every time I do a prediction on like, hey, well, who thinks going to win the, the American? I think every single time I pick Kansas City since like mid-June. Because they're just such a well-constructed team too. And that's the thing they've added and they kept adding, kept fixing their team. And they have a track record, too, about them. To where I at least default to teams that I know can get it done in the past. Obviously, especially in indie ball, rosters change a lot. So you got to look at the constants. And one of the main constants in Kansas City for a long time now is Joe Calfa-Pietra. And yeah. he, has a, he has a track record of getting the guys he needs to get, building a strong team in the offseason, he knows it's going to get picked a little bit, and then he's able to fill in the gaps, and his teams do well in the postseason. There is that's just how he runs his team. So you know, I, it always feels safe taking Kansas City, just like it always kind of feels safe taking Milwaukee on the other side of things, right? So yeah, it just they've just lived back up to what I think we kind of expected them to be coming into the year. And at the end of the day, they're not going to set, you know, the crazy pace they had a couple of years ago where they had like 68 wins, 69 wins. They're not going to be a 60 win team more than likely, but they will be a probably a high 50s number, I'd say, because what they have about 25 games left. Uh, yeah, something like that. All right. So, four, yeah. yeah. So another 12 wins is not unreasonable. No, yeah, you're right. And I mean, I'm just looking like, I'm always fascinated about what lineups look like because I'm envisioning, okay, like how does this, the offense is good, but are you crushing, you know, just bad teams and you know, how good are you actually going to be in a playoff series against other teams' best pitching? But they're opening with three guys where the worst average is 316 and the worst OPS is right around 800 in that top three in their lineup. Like the worst batter in their top three right now is Odubel Herrera, who has, I feel like a decade of MLB service time, something like that, or probably, probably seven years, something like that. I mean, that's, that's an issue. <laughs> you know, that's a team to deal with. And that's something where, again, you see what the, the issues that teams probably have with them, where you start getting into a late inning situation. Maybe you're playing them close. Maybe you have a narrow lead. 
if you don't have one of your best bullpen arms available and you have to go to a guy who's like a second tier mid leverage guy, you best hope it's not the top three in that lineup. And even still, they have one of the best eight nines. I mean, just looking at like Robinson and Hatch who are in there tonight. Like I've seen both of them have moments. They, there's, they're not automatic outs, you know, and I think a lot of teams kind of stash one of those guys at the back end of the lineup at least. And they're, the Kansas City has not been doing that. And that goes back to what you said. I mean, they're constantly tinkering and improving with that lineup. Yep, definitely there. And so only note to put a pin in all of it, uh, Cabrera or Herrera rather. Herrera has seven years of major league experience, 817 uh, games. I thought so. I hated him in center field for the Phillies. It was a nightmare. I never liked Phillies center fielders. Then Brandon Marsh is a whole new world for me. In any case, let's talk about Sioux Falls. Uh, they're hot. They're on a five-game mm-hmm. winning streak, or at least were when I wrote the notes down. Nine and five over the last two weeks, hitting over 300 as a team with a sub-four ERA over the past week. So um, this is a team I kind of thought was sort of done. They are not sort of done. Yeah. They're, in fact, kind of in the middle of things. They're in the thick of things here. We won't talk too much about playoffs because they're on the wheel. But as far as the immediate impact... Uh, is this a team for real or a team that's beating up on opponents that are beatable? I think a little while ago, I was like, hey, we can write them off probably. And then I thought twice about it. I'm really glad I did because they would be making me look really bad right now. Um, I'm trying to see what their most recent stretch of games was. Uh, King um, County, but- Fargo, and then they lost two of three to Gary and two of three to Lake Country. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Essentially, I, I the, honestly, yeah. I was gonna say it was essentially the teams they've beaten up on since really the middle of July. I'd say since the All Star break have been Fargo and yeah. now Kane County. Yeah, they did have a weird. They had three in a row off of Kansas City, which was a weird one. Um, Kansas City was yeah. going through a transitional period. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like the pitching. So it's tough because the pitching in the whole league is better than it was like last year. But I feel like the pitching is not as bad as it typically is when it comes to Stu Falls, where it's that self-perpetuating issue of it's an offensive ballpark and then it's tough to get the pitchers in. So it becomes a more offensive ballpark, yada, yada. Um, I think this year has been better. I don't necessarily have the numbers in front of me, which I wish I did. Um, but just observing it, there were some old two falls games I threw on last year while I was trying to like kind of catch up on the league where it was hard to watch. And I really haven't had that experience watching a two falls game this year. I mean, I'm looking at some of their guys right now and obviously we're going to just mm-hmm. kind of ignore Jabari Henry's a third of an inning of work. Uh, sure. they have a couple of bullpen guys, Stover and hasty. They're both look good. Both sub, uh, four in the case of hasty sub three, uh, Walters has been a decent starter, four and a half. Akeem Bostic, former major leaguer. I think he has like a couple innings pitched in, in yep. uh, MLB and always with Met for a brief second there. Uh, he also has a 450. And then it looks like Miller is kind of like a quasi starter, five starts in 11 games. He's got an area five. And then it kind of falls off from there. Hard. Yeah, it does. And that's where they start to get into trouble. You can see it. They do still have those blow-up games occasionally. Um, like, they had a really good stretch where, other than eight runs to Gary, they had six games where the most runs they allowed was four, and then they let um, 
you know, five and five again. Like they've been on a good run right now, but before that they gave up 12, 17, and 15 to Lake Country. So like, you know, it's one of, it's still one of those teams where if they're not rested, they had a good stretch of difficult games there in a row. They had a Fargo series and straight in Lake Country. Like, yeah, they're still going to get got. And I think they're one of the easiest teams to have exposed. That's for sure. And that's why, yeah. you know, I don't know. I have a hard time still saying that they have a shot at making the playoffs. I, obviously they have a chance, but I don't see me you know, predicting that if I have to predict it. You're right. That's one thing that's kind of interesting because I'm looking at like Ty Colbert and I was like, he's got an area of nearly seven and 15 starts. There's mm-hmm. got to be something here. And I'm looking at it. And honestly, since July, he hasn't been that bad. Like five, like here's his starts in July. In this order, it's Kansas City, Chicago, King County, Lake Country, Lake Country, Gary King Country, or King County. Uh, in that order, five innings, two earned, five innings, or seven innings, one earned, five innings, one earned, five innings, eight earned. Not a good start, obviously. Eight mm-hmm. innings, five earned, five and two thirds, two earned, six innings, two earned. That's not terrible, honestly. Like what's killing him is the first three starts in June where it was like, all about five innings, all about six runs. That's obviously going to kill you. And the eight's, you know, an ugly number. But outside of that, it's really not that bad. He's gotten a lot better. I agree. That's kind of what I've been feeling lately watching their games. Uh, I feel like they have a lot more options where, again, if you're watching a game and they bring somebody and go, oh, they're, they're out of options. This is what they're going with. That has not been happening nearly as frequently. Uh, and I do think it's partially they're a more complete team. And I think partially guys have been improving. Um, still though, I'm just, I can't get over the number of runs being allowed and how thin that pitching staff is. Um, like I know we just list them off, but like realistically the numbers, like would we bet on any of those guys to really have a game when you need it? I don't think I would, yeah, but right. I like Fair. seeing them. I like seeing them move in the right direction. Cause I'm also hoping like that positive, that positive growth, some guys who maybe enjoy being there. That's what really starts something for next year too. And can get Sioux Falls out of the sort of cycle they've been in. Fair. Yeah. I mean, the pandemic year also was a good year for them. They made the uh, championship game, but or championship series. But yeah. yeah, I definitely can see that. I see the concern. The only thing I would counter with it, and I, again, I don't want to go too far in the playoff bit in case they wind up on the wheel, but I guess if they do, we can skip over them, is that they don't, it's not like Lincoln and Fargo are insurmountable ahead, especially when they seem to have a knack for beating Fargo. So, mm-hmm. you know, if things line up a certain way, I could see it. I guess it depends what the remaining schedule looks like and whether they're for real as a challenger or not. That's something that we talk about, not necessarily next week, but the week after, you know, for, I guess it'd be 223 or 233. That episode is the one where we'd be like, okay, well, there's about a week left in the season. Are they for real or are they not? That's when it's like, okay, we can make a decision on them, but. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It does seem like they're, they are, while they're improving, there's also not like this seismic shift in them where it's like they're overwhelmingly better. It's just like they're, it's gradual marginal improvement. And it's like if they could return they're, this team, then yeah, I'd look at them for next year. But as a group that has 20 games left to get it done, uh, maybe not. Yeah, I, I'm exactly there. And, they don't have the easiest stretch either. They got what Milwaukee, Kansas City, Sioux City, Winnipeg, whatever. Yeah. But then Lincoln, uh, and then they close with Cleburne, who's in the race too. So yeah, 
it's not an easy go for them. I, I don't feel good about it, but I'm, I feel good about the way they've been. And I, I'm glad that they have this going because they need some positive vibes. Some good stretches will do that. Yeah. Uh, only thing I would say is if they survived that Milwaukee, Kansas City stretch, I think that everything else opens up. I agree. So, yeah. If they can somehow find a way to win three of those, yeah, I would say that's a different conversation because I think everyone else, that they're racing with kind of has a tough stretch. And if they can kind of get their tough stretch out of the way and survive it at 500, then we have a conversation because other teams might start eating some losses. Yeah. Fair. Uh, keeping it moving, going to Schaumburg, uh, first cold team on here, six straight losses. Three were at Evansville, three reverse Joliet that in that stretch includes a back-to-back shutout against Joliet. They were shut out both times, obviously, in that case. Uh, they have been outscored pretty heavily, 37 runs to just 16 in that stretch. And also in those six losses were four blown leads, meaning they had a lead at some point and did not hold on or went on to lose that game. That is not a promising stretch for Schaumburg. Overall, even despite this and despite Joliet, which I guess we'll loop into this, which is also on our list of hot or not as a hot team on a six-game winning streak. We'll go into more on them in a bit. Despite that being the case, Schaumburg is still second in the division, which I think speaks more to the West division than to Schaumburg itself. Yeah, this is tough, man, because they were sitting right behind uh, Gateway there for a second. Um, yeah, man, I mean, I think they were a game, maybe game and a half off of them, now four and a half back. Yeah, that's that's a brutal one. Um, and, uh, you know, Evansville has cooled off a little bit, but they came into this week pretty hot, too. Yeah. So that is definitely not situation. The, the good thing for them is that Juliet's still more than a week back, so they don't really need to worry about that right now. They just need to get it right. Um, try to preserve, hopefully, some home field. Not that, you know, Evansville's the worst trip in the world, but, the, you know, you still want to play at home for the playoffs if you can. Um, yeah, man, they've really fallen apart, and I feel like they're having one of those stretches where they're just finding new ways to do it. You know, the offense stops working, and then, you know, they, they kind of perk up tonight, and then they score five runs, and they lose six to five. It's just, it's not great. I'm just doing a scan through um, the roster right now and who I've seen recently for them. But um, I don't know. What's your vibe on them? Is this, I know they're a late season team. They're team to be a built for playoffs type of team. Is this, how concerned are you if you're a Schaumburg fan? Here's the thing. Like if I'm a Schaumburg fan, I'm relying on that postseason experience that we've seen the past few years. I'm relying on the fact that Jamie Bent's one of the more experienced managers in the league and knows what to do. I'm also thinking back to last year when I played Evansville in the wild card game and I beat them and then I beat a very, very strong Washington team. I obviously would counter with last year was last year. The old days are the old days. They're not the current days. So that is obviously a major strike against it. Overall, I'm not really concerned because I think for the past month now, really, the three teams that have been in the West playoff spots are in the playoffs. I think really for any of them to fall out would take one of realistically two, either Washington or Joliet, really shooting up and having an incredibly hot August and really angling to a spot that Labor Day weekend matters. Or Mm -hmm. uh, really it's an end, not an or having just Evansville or Schaumburg bottom out. Like, I don't think there's a world where gateway misses at this point. I think they it would just take a yeah, complete agreed. collapse. They're like 12 and a half up, I think. Yeah, yeah, 12 yeah. and a half up in the next team. So it would take complete collapse and a team getting incredibly hot. It just, it won't happen. They may fall into a wild card spot. I could see that. They're only four and a half 
up on you know the two wild card positions. So maybe that happens. That's still doubtful in my mind. But regardless of that, back to Schaumburg. For one of those two teams of Schaumburg or Evansville to fall out, they would really need to start to bottom out. That said, I'll stick to the same thing I've been saying for probably about a month now. It's the East's league to lose at this point. Like you see over here in the West, and we'll talk about some more East teams in a bit, and we'll loop Joliet in here at some point, but just because Quebec has the same record as Gateway does not mean they're the same team. And just like even looking at like say a New York compared to an Evansville who have very, very comparable records. New York's played two fewer games and thus has two fewer losses. But there's not a world in which I would say New York loses a seven-game series to Evansville. Like, and I don't think New York's been that hot of a team. But it just is like the East has a higher caliber of teams. So I, in the end, I don't think it really matters. Like, if I'm a Schomburg fan, I'm like, get back to the final. And I still feel like they, they're comparable. The top three teams in the West are pretty much comparable. Yeah, I think the big concern if you're a team in the East is running that, like... Um, Fatigue, uh, really, battling it out. Yeah, it's it, exactly. And, you know, if you if Gateway sort of gets through their playoffs and does it in a somewhat clean manner, and if, you know, you win the East, but it's a war, and you have to take the trip to Gateway, and you don't have your pitching squared up the way you'd like, you know, the Gateway's offense can put some things together. So that would definitely be the concern there. Uh, that's not really what we're talking about here, so I'm going to try to get back on the Schaumburg thing. I'm just trying to look at... Um, who's that cooking right now? Um, damn, Frontier League's stats are hard to track. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, I don't mean to slow things down here, but I'm just yeah. doing a long scroll. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the good thing for Schaumburg is they have very few like blow up guys. Like they have one guy over a five year, right? Coming out of that pitching staff right now, yeah. which is impressive. Um, and for the most part, they're not really walking people. They have some good strikeout arms out there. Um, I'm just making sure everybody I've seen recently is still there. Yeah, they are. Haha. <laughs> um, that is, I think, what will probably get them back on track is, yeah, it's a bad stretch right now. They've had some teams who are playing well and they're not playing well, but the pitching hasn't gone completely sideways on them. I mean, they gave up. All right, they've lost six games in a row, but if you lose six games in a row and you only give up, 43 runs over those. I mean, six or seven runs. Damn, that is more than I think. <laughs> but um, I don't know. We've seen worse collapses. I think that's my point. And right before that, if you go backwards, they give up six runs in three games to Washington. So I'm willing to chalk this one up to it's a tough stretch. They're against some teams with, you know, Joliet has been rolling lately. Um, I think they, that's six in a row for them. Yeah, and they're up there to talk about too. So they're going to win. They're welcoming Windy City to town. I would expect Schaumburg to get things right on the stretch here. And they got, by the way, then three against Lake Erie, and they're back to Winnie City. So I, I think uh, watch Schaumburg rip off like six of nine here. Okay. Uh, talking about Joliet, the team we mentioned a little bit, six-game winning streak, three against Lake Erie, three against at Schaumburg, uh, three shutouts in that span, and they're doing pretty good run differential-wise, uh, plus 26 if my count's right. So uh, it feels in vain. They don't really... They're too far back, realistically, but it's nice to see a, a nice little bump from them. If they could honestly get to 500 on the year and finish the year at 500 or a little bit better than 500, I think that's a successful season. Yeah, I agree. And these are big ones for like trying to keep your core together, keep guys wanting to come back the next year, keeping guys wanting to come to you next year and just, you know, trying to climb back up. Um, 
the good news for them is the West is not nearly as stacked as the East where, you know, you need to climb up one spot if your Joliet looks like going into uh, whenever the offseason comes around. That's a much easier climb than even less games to get back to the playoff picture, but, like, you got to pass four teams if you're in the East. So, yeah, I think they have a lot going on for them. Um, I'm just pulling up those last six games here. I know I covered the weekend ones in my last video, but I uh, totally am drawing a blank on what they even look like. Um, you're not going to give me anything here, huh? Okay, there we go. Sorry, this again, Frontier League staff page is just being the my my worst enemy. Um, yeah, I mean they've beaten Lake Erie in a slumping Schaumburg team. That's one thing. Um, before that, uh, they did not look good against Gateway. So I think Juliet still is Juliet. Um, I don't know. It feels bad, but there's not much else to say on that. And there hasn't been any standout performances. Like you know, they've, there have been guys with good games, but not like a consecutive run of good play where I'm like, oh, that guy is someone that, you know, this has changed my perception of them, if that makes sense. Um, have you seen anything? I don't know if you got a chance to actually like get eyes on them, but have you seen anything come up in the past like weeks or in the stretch that actually indicates maybe a bigger trend? Also, keeping in mind, too, I still refuse to pay for Flow Sports because I still think it is not, uh, you know, worth the money, so I don't pay for right. it. So I can actually, appreciate that. Yep. Yeah, actually watching the Flow Sport teams, not exactly easy. So I can't really comment much on the play itself. But quickly looking over everything, it, it seems like you're pretty... Yeah, so I, I generally agree with what you said about Joliet. I think it's uh, it's a team that just got hot right now, and I think they, for them, just ride the hot wave in. Uh, that's really all I got to say about them. I think the next team we're going to talk about, too, is kind of in the same boat. And honestly, even the next two teams, I think, are all kind of in the same position standing-wise, even if not necessarily uh, organizationally. Yeah, I will say before we move on from Juliet, though, yeah. uh, Lee MacArthur has been playing out of his mind. I think he, he's got a, what's his slash line looking like? Four, <laughs> oh man, in August, eight games, 412, 432, 471 slash. So there you go. That'll help the stretch. That's going to keep that win streak going a little bit longer. Dude managed to finesse his way off of Empire State last year and has not looked back. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I like that vibe. But uh yeah, so talking about some of those other teams. We got Ottawa up next, hot team, eight and two in their last ten, five game winning streak. Uh they swept the Grays, which you know, I mean, they also took two extra inning games to beat the Grays. So I mean, you know, take that for what it's worth. And at least as of now, I have two wins against Sussex County. Uh 19 and 11 since the start of July. So they are getting hotter. It just feels like it was too little, too late on their count. They're still seven games back, which admittedly is only a half game worse than the Miners and two games worse than the Boulders. So they are, you know, six back of a playoff spot, but seven back of first. I just don't think there's enough time for them to make it up to get back into it, but who knows, maybe. Yeah, I'm doing a check on their schedule to see if they at least have some teams they can pass coming up on their schedule. I mean... They really need the Jackals. They have three, six against the Jackals. So, I mean, if they really go off, they have a shot. And the in-between games, you know, they're playing Tawara VA and Empire State and Tawara VA. So, I'm not going to write them off yet, but they really need to... Uh, we talked about this before. We really need them to, like, go off, essentially, yeah. uh, if we're talking about a, a path to the playoffs. It needs them really getting it done and doing it against both good and bad teams. Yeah, the only thing I'll say about them, and then we'll move on to keep things moving, would be... If they do manage to do that and they manage to sneak in, that's a dangerous team. Yes. No, I'm with you there completely. Um, 
yeah, they put together good games, like again, full games, something I talk about a lot. Um, and just looking at like the offense, the offense is good. I'm just trying to get this thing sorted a little bit. They have enough bats in the lineup that it can be an uncomfortable day, if that makes sense. And, mm. um, yeah, they've had, you know, stretches where the pitching is really good. I mean, Zach Westcott, you know, he's huge to have there. I really like him. Um, and his ERA isn't going to blow you away, but I, I just, I will bet on Zach Westcott, you know, when push comes to shove just about any time. Um, wow, he really got less strikeouts than usual, but he's still getting it done. Love that for Zach Westcott. Um, but anyway, digression there. Uh, Augie Gallardo, he's someone I've really liked the last couple of things. I've seen him. He's looked really good. And, uh, what is it? Trevor Clifton, who's been killing it too for them. Oh, uh, God, got picked good. up by the Blue Jays though. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Man, man, that was super recent. I was like, oh, I just saw him. Yeah. Now, yeah, you did just see him, and now he's gone. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say Ottawa is just enough of a team where they could do some damage, though, if you have to deal with them head-to-head. And uh, that's where, again, I get a little nervous for Jersey U.S. to play six against them to get through their schedule. Fair. Also, why, as you mentioned, Clifton, I have to also point out, congrats to Kyle Barraclaw for getting back to the majors, too. After being a mm. high point early in the year, he was like 7-0 and in AAA, and now he's back on the back up in the majors with the red Sox, so love it bro yeah good for him and there's an outside chance that when i go up to boston at the end of september the red Sox are playing the white Sox in boston so there's an outside chance i make it seem pitch hey man that'd be sick good for content yep definitely but. all right so moving on to the next team would be the sussex county myers a cold team here the final cold team on the list uh, 2-8 in their last 10, four-game losing skid. They've allowed five or more runs six times in August, and they are 10-13 and 13 since the All-Star break. This is a team that's kind of, they start off really hot and just have kind of pettered off since. Um, it feels a lot like last year, to be quite honest with this team. You know, looked good, and now they're just kind of failing to get to the finish line. Yeah, it's hard not to say that, right? Um, yeah, it, it just, I remember that we had really high expectations going into that Jersey Sussex series a little while back. I think they were right on Jersey at the time. And then Jersey like blitzed them in a doubleheader with like a one nothing game and an eight four game, I think. And then, you know, they got one back, but just the energy wasn't there anymore. It went from being like one and a half back to three and a half back in a day. And, uh, yeah, it just that TN, yeah, New Jersey clipped them again after that's right. They played like five in a row or something. Yeah. I don't know. No, they played four. Yeah, my God, they played four in a row. That's right. Um, sorry, it's just like, wow, it's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. Um, yeah, it, it's just, they've, you expect to see the energy and it just really hasn't been there. There's been a lot of games that haven't been close. I feel like, uh, every time I flip their games on, like they just had, I think four, four straight games where I was like, Oh, I'll check out Sussex. And like, it wasn't an interesting game. They got it back tonight. It looks like, but yeah. Yeah, four games in a row. It was eleven to two, five to two, ten to four, eight to four. Like in the middle of a playoff race, it's just like, damn, bro, that is not good. Uh, especially when you're playing Ottawa for those last two. You know, they dropped two out of three to Ottawa in a playoff race. That's uh, just a brutal one. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what needs to be fixed there. I don't know if it's a you know when a team does the same thing two years in a row. You're like, is it a culture thing? Is it just because baseball is weird? But well, also, um, you know, I mean, your keep- Jersey guy. Yeah, keep in mind, too, though, they have front office turnover this past year. They lose Bobby to New Jersey, A, and B, they lost Fiorella to uh, Lexington. So they have no people. more on the Sussex side, though. Yeah, but even still, like in the case of is there any sort of like turnover from year to year, 
they lost the two biggest parts to building that team. You're right. And honestly, you know, there's different different vibe in the dugout. Um, the vibes, I think, aren't bad on the Sussex side, but it has been kind of... It hasn't been Bobby in there. That's yeah. what we'll say with that one. And hey, look, it's first year, so who's to say? But that's, keep it in mind, I guess is what I'm saying. And yeah. maybe that will be more of the difference maker than people may have thought. Yeah, so definitely could be. Uh, in any case, we go to someone on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, which is Quebec. Hot, again, four straight wins. Yeah, yeah, seven and three in their last ten. Uh, regardless of how tonight's rain game is going to turn out, whether they get to finish it or whether it ends as is, they, it's confident to say they handled both Sussex and New Jersey. They're first in the East and tied for the best record in the league. They are the team that we kind of expect them to be year in and year out. And uh, I feel like if there is a favorite, it's them, but um, in the East, the top three teams are just, you know, they're monsters, really. Yeah, um, the update is they're in the ninth inning right now. They're down 7-3, but okay. uh, it was 7-2, and they let off with uh, LeBro home run. So, you know, that's good vibe to right field. That'll happen. Sounds like Jersey. Um, yeah, that's a different conversation. We're going to have to do a full sort of talk about that stadium eventually. But um, mm. for now, yeah, Quebec is – they are – who we would have thought they were if they, they had us a little bit there. They had us in the first half, even though not even, man. Yeah. It was just, what, like a 15-game stretch where they were just sort of Yeah, you know, I think mediocre. it was closer to about 20 to 25. I was like, ooh, okay. is it something? And then it was like, oh, no way. Man, they're back. Yeah, yeah. a little bit of that. Um, yeah, it's just such a good it's such a good lineup, too. Um, just looking at it, like, you got White hitting second. <laughs> like, I don't know. TJ White hitting second, such a funny vibe. Um yeah. Even tonight, like in a loss, I mean, first three, four, five guys in their lineup have hit. Seven different guys have hits. And that's like normal. Like there's good hitters all the way through. Um, Wah, I think is his yeah. name. Like, you know, he's where I start to see a drop off. And even he is, I think, better than the league's average eight or nine hitter or eight, nine hitter, which is where he's batting. Like, yeah, uh, Quebec is just exactly who we thought they were there's so many good players on that team the the rotation solid the bullpen is solid it's been they're ready to go for a playoff run i'm excited to watch it i'm excited to actually watch it somebody covering the league this time instead of just outside in i know man this is, this is so quebec's always a fun team to cover man i if there's a team i root for it's honestly kind of quebec because i just everything about quebec i kind of like yeah, there's something to it and i don't want to and i always feel like i sound patronizing talking about it. like oh like quebec is something like almost like quaint about it but it is like it's you know not you know you're taking on all these like chicago and new york metro and jersey teams and just like quebec and just getting after it and just beating the hell out of teams and just doing it consistently yeah. i think uh yeah it's a fascinating thing it's they're, they're one of the organizations that i really love about any ball too they're yeah. um without going too deep um they're one of those organizations that has a really good understanding of how to work the roster rules. I had a cool conversation with, like Pat Scalabrini in the off season talking about like, what do you do after, you know, all right, after a championship. And he's like, it's the frontier league. You, you, you should start you now clipping it away. Like you start coming to terms with letting go of guys and, you know, figuring out, you know, what you need to make sure you don't get in that situation of, you know, I have too many guys who are now labeled as experienced players in the roster limitations. And now, you know, I can either just let one walk or somebody can kind of take advantage of me in the trade because they know I'm up against it, 
where I can be a, like a year or so ahead of it and try to move him for somebody who's a good return and we'll have a couple of years before their experience level. Like he was very fascinating to listen to on the way he, he visualizes a roster and thinks about like the three or four year plan in front of him. It's, that's a really interesting organization, a fun one to watch. And again, as I said, it's one of the one of the organizations I always talk about when I talk about why I love indie ball. Yeah, they're just because they're, they're just a model franchise on both like the baseball end of it, and they managed to just keep drawing and drawing and drawing and getting people out. And in an area where you, I don't want to say it's not a traditional baseball area, because there is a major league history there, there is a baseball history in the province. But like, if I say like baseball crazy area quebec city quebec is not the first thing that come to mind no you're exactly right and maybe that's what i mean when you know it's, it feels like a corner of the baseball world and it, but it's a corner where they've really got it going i think that's cool yeah then also the french culture kind of marks it apart from everything else too right yeah how could it not yeah um so. i got a friend going up to trois rivier this weekend she's just like so excited just hear all the announcements in french i think it's funny but it is funny and unique so i like that Loki, I'm looking forward to that All Star Game next year in Quebec. I I'm ready yeah, to get the passport and everything to go up there. I'm starting to learn French again, so that way I can kind of get around. Time for Ryan to find out if he can go to France. Well, it's mini France. Here it depends on the border agent, so we're gonna see. Oh, you're not on any active sorry list, for, so you're all right. Sorry for partying. Yeah. Hey. Uh, all right let's get to the wheel so that way we can get to the everything else at the very end here so oh yeah we'll fly through elevate i like the idea i've seen before like almost like the elevator pitch of like what do we think on this team's playoff chances exactly so that's essentially what we're doing here uh in weeks where we have a little bit more time we're not actually pressed against a hard limit which actually forces us to be you know punctual and not detour and give ryan videos worth of scraps then you know we'll go into more detail on it but for now, we're going to spin the wheel. We're going to do it three or three to five times, depending on how long we actually talk about each of these teams. Yeah, they're all borderline playoff teams across the, I believe, the core four leagues. I think I have some Pioneer League teams in here. Yes, I do. And uh, basically, we're going to talk about where they stand right now. We're going to try to keep it to eh, about two minutes a team, and we'll move from there. So without further ado, let's spin that wheel. Ooh. Around and around and around and around. It's slowing down. It's going to land on a team we already talked about, so we're going to spin again because we just <laughs> we, it's, it literally landed on Joliet. So let's remove them from the wheel and let's spin it again so that way we actually get a team we didn't talk about. Where are the odds? It lands on like one of the three teams we talked about. All right, good. We got a different Frontier League team. It almost crossed over into Ottawa, so thank God it didn't do that. <laughs> Instead, it lands on the New York Boulders, a team that oh. is currently in a interesting spot. Five games back of first, four out of a playoff spot, nine games above 500. Uh, they really have a tough road ahead of them. But yep. they are arguably, of the non-playoff teams in the East, the most likely, depending on how you like Ottawa. So, yeah, let's take two minutes to talk about the New York Boulders. Um, do you have any thoughts right off the bat? This is a team that I think has some potential here. Over, It's the kind of team where it's like, if they're in the West, I'd really love them. But because they're <laughs> in the East, yeah. it's like, you're a good team and you're probably going to get screwed by your geography. Yeah, that's about right. Um, 
I mean, I, the way I'm looking at it, I'm looking at like, all right, you're, you got to gain four and a half here. Um, probably five by the end of the night if the jackals hold on, which I've lost focus on. But, um, yeah, I'm looking at like, where can you gain those five? You know, um, like I'm just holding their schedule next to the jackals. New York goes to Ottawa, New Jersey goes to Tri City. They could gain a game there. Um, they play Empire State while Jersey plays Ottawa. They could gain a game there. Uh, then they go to Quebec while New Jersey plays Empire State. So you're probably going to lose a game, but then they play Empire State. New Jersey plays Ottawa. So they could get a game back. So that's like they're two up, but that's a seven to go. They're still three back and they play Tri City while New Jersey plays Trois-Rivières and Empire State, but then they close out together. They're not dead. I just think it's a very long shot. There's so many things that need to go right. I, the easy games that they have are matched by New Jersey, who has easier games, which is a tough scene. Um, so uh, they New really Jersey won too, by the way. Uh, close it out. Um, yeah, so they got to gain five against a team that's you know got an easy schedule. They're better bets to play Tri City. Uh, so the interesting thing here because the league just updated the, the page. They're four and a half back of Quebec right now. They're three and a half mm-hmm. back of the Valley Cats. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Cause they, they just beat the Valley Cats. Um, yeah. That's right. I didn't have my standings yet. Mm-hmm. So it's whether or not they can catch the Valley Cats. And Valley Cats have the toughest schedule, I think, for us the way. Bro, I think they could. Valley Cats have not been playing well lately. Oh, uh, they had the one, two, three, four, that nine game road, uh, nine game win streak, but it was against. Juliet before they were hot, Lake Erie and Empire State. Then they've got, they just lost four out of six to New Jersey and New York. And then they've got New Jersey, Quebec, Sussex, try, uh, Quebec again, New York, Sussex, try, dude. They're not I'm dead. Saying it's a 50 50. No, they're not dead though. That's the answer. I mean, that's all we can give them. This is making our September like third trip done. more interesting. <laughs> I agree completely on that one. Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. I'd give them like a 14% chance if we're really breaking it down here. I got to do some playoff odds soon. I was going to say, I was going to ask you to come with that, but obviously you you would have been waiting. Maybe next week. Of, yeah. Come Maybe next week we playoff odds. That's your, that's your homework assignment for the week. <laughs> come with playoff mm-hmm. odds that you could probably cool. use in your own stuff too. But uh, yeah, so that's pretty much where it stands for the boulders here, a team that is in an interesting spot. So good job, Wheel. Good hustle wheel. The wheel got great hustle. Let's go ahead and let's hit this wheel again. Let's see. Where is it going to land this time for team number two of three? Because I don't think we have time for it. Oh, okay. This is actually an interesting one. We have an Atlantic League team because we couldn't go a week without talking about about, uh, the Atlantic League. We really haven't talked much about them, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's kind of been a dead week over there. No one's been like exceptional in any way. But the team we're talking about, we actually did talk about on the top of the show, which is Gastonia. Only we're talking on the field now. And they're on here because technically they're not in a playoff spot, but they are a wild card team. Mm-hmm. But they're not as guaranteed of a wild card anymore, I don't think. No. Because he. So yeah. their current situation is they're a half game out of the division behind High Point. Um, however, they oh, are just three and a half up in the wild card race. No, hold on. That might not be accurate. Yeah. Um, well. It depends. I think Southern Maryland is scored as the top team in the division. Yeah. If Southern Maryland is the top team in the North, then, York then they are up it? by three and a half in the wild card. Okay. If they are not, then they have a much more comfortable eight, nine game lead. So okay. That's key. That's something to keep in mind. If you're Gastonia, you're definitely rooting for Southern Maryland here. Um, 
or for York rather okay. to take that North division spot. Um, I said, they can't catch high point. That means there's going to be one wild card spot to, to battle for. Uh, and in that case, it's a tight race for, you know, between them and York, less so for Southern Maryland because it is overall record. If you don't know for that tie break, um, the last note I would kind of drop on them though is, um, I, you know, I don't think it's a long shot to see them deal with high point. I think we have seen Gastonia's worst days essentially. Um, you know, they've kind of gone through the wild start to the second half, which we've been through uh, a lot. But I think they, I don't know. I, I don't see guests. I, okay, to phrase it fully, even though High Point and Gaston are very competitive with each other, I don't see guests or High Point really emptying the tank down the stretch to win the second half, even if it's against a rival when they know the rival's probably going to make the playoffs anyway. It just doesn't make sense. So I could see them taking their foot off the gas and Gaston getting that second half spot. Uh, so that's kind of my, my read on it. It is concerning that Gastonia has been losing a lot more to High Point, but in the end, I still think they've they probably got a good shot at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Only thing but I they have, close with Lexington, which helps. Yeah, this definitely helps. Uh, I think they have a couple of paths, pathways of doing it. You ran through the numbers there. I think the wild card's still probably their best or most likely option there. I think High Point winds up just kind of making a little bit more room there, but that being said, if that's not the case, I'm not surprised that much. Uh, overall, though, I think they're in. I just think uh, I think there's a lot of things that can play in, not so much on the field, but I feel like off the field, after a while, that starts to really weigh down. And they've been dealing with it for a while, and now it's more public and everything about it. I think that kind of gets into your head a bit, too. So I'm interested to see how that winds up shaking out, even though now payment is kind of guaranteed through the league, or at least it's guaranteed mm-hmm. it's going to be. So that's not much of a bother, but there is still, the noise does matter. So I wonder how much that kind of seeps through. But uh, yeah, I don't really have too much of an, another thought on Gastonia, because to be quite honest, the Atlantic League has been very uninteresting this year. And I've just <laughs> been focused on other leagues, so I can't really comment all too much on them. So... Uh, uh, they are, by the way, talking about bad scheduling. They just played a home series, and they're immediately turning around the next day and playing on Long Island, and then coming home again from their series. That's bad scheduling. And then a week later, they're going back up to Long Island. So classic, classic Atlantic schedule. So the classic case of the robots made the schedule, but then the humans mm-hmm. didn't check it. All right. Yeah, I know. What's up? Never mind. Now we're gonna go into it. Any case. Are you doing one more or are we sticking with two? Let's go with one more. Let's get three out of the way. Right. Three's a nice number, so let's try and hit three very quickly here. So uh Wheel, the final number or final name is going to be in the Pioneer League. It's gonna be the Northern Colorado Owls. A surprise team here. A team that is kind of in a wild card fight if things break a certain way for them. Maybe not the most interesting team there, but they're 500, 34 and 34 on the year. Assuming Missoula wins the second half, that's going to open up one wild card. Ogden, I don't think, is really in a fight, so I don't think there'll be two of them. So right now, they're not that far out of a wild card spot. So if things shake out a certain way, uh, they could certainly be in there into an interesting setup here. Plus, they're only two games back of winning this half. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think through... Um how they've been. I mean, they've definitely not been at their best recently, and that's kind of concerning because it always feels like a team where they're kind of partially hanging on for dear life. Sorry, that sounds terrible. There's no good way for me to say that sentence. That was my attempt, frankly. Yeah. Um, 
I, I mean, they're so capable of having games go really, really wrong and like a week of games go really, really wrong. Um, right now, I think they have been helped out by the fact that they opened the half, pretty much open the half with uh, six games against Idaho Falls. Um, so that does kind of, they went five on one. So that's going to pump up that, that record a little bit. Um, since then, though, they've been four and eight playing against Grand Junction, Rocky Mountain, and uh, Grand Junction again. So there's some quality teams in there. Uh, I don't think, I know that they're, they're po- it's possible, but I think they're probably the fourth best team in that division. And I don't see them leapfrogging Grand Junction and Rocky Mountain, unfortunately. Which I, I think they're feel, a bit of a feel-good story. I like it. They're kind of a mess, but they're like trying to make, it, make the best of it in their little temporary ballpark situation. And it's like kind of kitschy and funny and very Pioneer League, but yeah. they've made the best of it and they've been playing a lot better, but I think they're, they're probably not going to be able to get that done. I agree with that. I know I was trying to hype them up there a little bit here, but I think there's a lot that's in their way here. Glacier's obviously a problem. Even though Glacier's been playing poorly, they still have that wild card spot. So wild card mm-hmm. alone, that's in their way. There's another team with Boise there in their way still. Another team that hasn't been doing great. But then you look at trying to win the second half. You have Grand Junction that's right there with them, knowing that that's their only pathway in is through winning the division. They're too far out of the wild card to even be even remotely in to the hunt there and honestly rocky mountains look pretty decent they look kind of decent to end the first half and they looked real good in the second half so i don't really think that's going to break apart anytime soon obviously it's only two games that's one series that goes wrong but even still i just think there's a lot that has to go right for northern colorado it's not even like a boulder type situation where okay the schedule lines up here and there is a conceivable pathway here i just think they're both pathways for them have so much resistance that they really need a lot to go right for them to be in a serious conversation. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't think that's, I don't think that you're not that guy, pal. I, I kind yeah. of feel like that with Noko. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not a situation where you have a team that's shown something like, like maybe say like a Fargo was in that kind of boat where they had to make up ground mm-hmm. to get there. Be like, okay, there's enough of a track record with these players and that manager and this organization that I can say, you've earned my my confidence to do it. Or at least enough attention for me to take you seriously. That's not with NoCo. Not yet, at least. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Yep. So just quickly, we'll run through the three crystal balls, two props. They'll be very quick to get through. I don't think there's much of a debate on it. Um, Frontier... Yeah. First crystal ball, Frontier League playoff teams will be set by this time next week, meaning Friday of next week. That one I'm less confident on, now seeing how the boulders and everything have struck out. I think that's really the only question. I don't really think Sussex is in this anymore. I don't think Ottawa's in this. Obviously, everything in the West is done. Those three teams are set. Uh, So realistically, I think we're down to like four playoff teams in the East when we get back this time next week. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's right. I don't think it's going to be locked in completely, but we're also going to know a lot more about the boulders, whether or not, you know, they're going to need to gain. I need to see them gain at least a game this week. You know, there's yeah. going to be some games where they can, or some weeks where they can really gain a couple at a time, but they just have to keep showing some sort of movement. If they go backwards, though, I think they're done. Fair. Uh, over in the American Association, two new teams join the playoff picture. So we see one or two teams really get in there and get within, let's say, a game of the playoffs this time next week. I think we're going to see that. I think Sioux Falls kind of establishes themselves a little bit. I think Mm -hmm. they could ride this momentum. Obviously, it's a tough back-to-back series, but if they can just keep their head above water, 
I think they have enough confidence moving forward. They can really start to do uh, a little bit of damage. And I think when you look over in the east, you have pretty much everybody over there is still really in it. Gary excluded, of course, but everybody else is still kind of in it. So I think you see those other playoff teams or borderline fringe teams really start to establish themselves and make themselves more of a playoff threat. Yeah, um, I'm trying to get a gauge on what that Sioux Falls situation is again. Um, I don't actually. I think Sioux Falls might be out of it this yeah. week. I think that's just remember because that was very reliant on them going three and three against Milwaukee and, and Kansas City. I think they can do it. I don't uh, know why. I think they can. I think they can. I'm going to say it's probably not. I think they're probably taking a step backwards this week. Um, but we'll see because Fargo might step right backwards to them too. They have those three against Lincoln, so that that leaves at least the teams in front of them are playing each other, so they can't get too far away. So that helps. Mm. Fair. Uh, flip side. Uh, Pioneer League thing, Missoula falls out of first place. They don't have that large of a lead. Admittedly, this is always the stretch one. The third one's the Hail Mary one. Missoula's a good team, but Great Falls has been keeping pace with them. This also doesn't really affect the wildcard position for teams like, say, uh, uh, Northern Colorado, because, well, Great Falls would fill it. If anything, it hurts them more uh, because it takes a wild card off the table. So I think that that could very well be possible. I didn't really look at the schedule, so maybe it doesn't line up great on that side, but I wouldn't be shocked to see a change in that positioning. Between, was it Great Falls and Missoula, you said? Yep. Yep. Well, buddy, they play three to start the week. All right. So, hey, it worked out. Yep. We'll see about it. Um, so far, Missoula has won 11 of 14. Okay. 12 of 15. Okay. 15 of 18. They've won 15 of 18 so far against Great Falls. Hey, buddy, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> hey, it, it's baseball. Oh, you never shoot. know. You never know. Uh, I forgot how many times they played. Oh, that just God. means now that Great Falls knows them. Slide doesn't have any more tricks to pull out. Uncomfortable Thanksgivings in Montana, my guy. <laughs> Damn. I Honestly, I kind of forgot it was that bad. Good Lord. All right. Well, let's go to the They're props so here, and let's uh, let's finish this up by just knocking out these two props real quick. Uh, oh yeah. Before we get into that, uh, yeah. the two props from last week, which we should have been keeping track of the whole time, but we have not been. Um, how convenient for me! I pick a week where I won both. Uh, New Jersey was supposed to be under two and a half back. They are now what a half game back thanks to that. Okay. Uh, I believe they a full tonight, game, but yeah. If they lost tonight, it would have been two, or it would have been two and a half exactly. So. Yeah. Um, dodge that bullet and then speaking of dodge bullets the question was would Winnipeg have over or under 32 and a half wins they have 32 and they rained out tonight so I will take that as a win for me uh, whether I deserve it or not we won't ask I just what I take away from this is my numbers were pretty good <laughs> yeah dude you're right on that that was really impressive work I knew when you asked too I was like oh damn <laughs> he's, he's good with this yeah I hope this week's good too because the first one I didn't realize until I started doing this how many teams in the American Association were close to being 500 or were sub 500? Because this week's is there will be five and a half teams in the American Association that are under 500 the next time we record. At the time I was writing the notes, seven teams were under 500, 10 were either under 500 or within three games of 500. Mm, good Lord. Um, something is wrong. I'm just looking at the Frontier League standings. They have 28 losses for Quebec. I don't think that's right. But I do think Jersey's now within a half game. Okay, well, we'll sort it out. Man, what a, that's a great race, dude. Yeah. 
anyway, continuing. Yeah. So five and a half or more team, five and a half teams at uh, under five hundred in the American Association. Hmm. Five and a half teams under five hundred. You said yes, under five hundred, sub five hundred. Um. Give me the over on that one. Okay, so you think there's going to be I, six or more? I think there'll be six or more. I mean, there's seven right now. Um, I think. I mean, I mean, I can double check on the actual league one, which is up to date. But um, I'm thinking, I don't know. Numbers are so good that when it doesn't seem like close to me, I'm like, oh no, obviously. I'm like, wait, hold on. Yeah. Um, so the teams that could make the jump realistically are Lake Country and King County, and Fargo, Lincoln. See, Fargo and Lincoln play each other, so it's going to be tough for them to make the move. And I think Sioux Falls is going to have to go four. They're going to have to go four over five hundred against that tough. They're going to have to go five and one with Kansas City and Fargo. That's what I'm feeling good about. I think I think I'll take the the more teams, more than six teams are, or six or more teams are below five hundred. See, I'm going to agree with you just because I, when the majority of the league is like a bad series away from being under five hundred. Yes, that means. A lot of teams can start to get closer to 500, but it also means like you could easily fall under with very little, you know, movement there. That being said, I think it speaks volumes about the league that so many teams are under 500. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what it says. I was going to ask that whole question earlier, but I'm going to open that can of worms. I mean, that's a future conversation. Yeah. That, that's the next week conversation when we start really looking at the playoff picture. In any case. Yeah. Uh, sounds good to me. Yeah. Final prop here as we are just approaching the 90 minute mark this week, which I think we're doing pretty hey. damn good time wise. Uh, no, not really. All we need is a gun to our head. Uh, three and a half Atlantic League teams will have a winning streak longer than three games. Ooh. What it's worth, I'm taking the under. I don't think, uh, like, you look at the board right now. Four teams is so much to ask. Yeah. Because if you're looking at three wins, that means either, that means there have to be four sweeps yeah. out of five series. That or just the crossover moment where you win two from one series and the one to start off the next. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm sorry. Is it three wins at some point during the week? Like a three game win streak at some point during the week or when we talk next? Like oh, when we have our next episode? Originally, it was la- next time we record, but I'm willing to extend it to some point during the week. Okay. Um, which means. That being uh, said. Nobody, of course, only one team has a two game win streak right now. Yeah. Sweet. I, that was going to be my caveat here. I was going to say, but. The current streaks, if it's more than one game, I don't want to count that. And I know there's only one with two-game winning streak. I think it was York, but I don't know for certain. It's York or one of the teams at the top of division, I know. I don't remember if it was like Southern Maryland or York. Um, the last one I'm looking up for I lock in a solid under on this answer. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's one. Okay. Lexington plays York and High Point. That's gonna Both those teams could work a three-game win streak out of that. They could. And then Long Island is one win away from getting a three-game win streak, and now it's just one other so. team. Oh, Jesus. Did I just talk at the end of this? See, the thing with Lexington is they've only had four wins this whole half, and weren't they rocking with three wins up until like two days ago? 
Yeah. So they were rocking just, like a 13 game losing yeah. streak or something. It was brutal. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm still going to go under. I'm going to go, I think, exactly three teams. I'll have a three game win streak at some point this week. All right. All right. It's a setup there. That's going to be close. I should have set the number at two and a half. Mm, I would have taken the over aggressively. Ah, so the three and a half number was a good number. Yeah, you know it. Again, like I th- honestly, I have a career as a bookie. I think <laughs> I'm gonna let that go. That's up there that with is... my takes of I would be a hell of a GM in the seventies. Yeah, I stand by that. I would have been a good scout or a GM in the seventies before analytics. When there was like barely any free agency too. Hell Just yeah. player forever. Just like I needed to sign your career away right now for a yeah. grand total of fifty five hundred dollars a year. God. It's That's at her stock and grocery shelves, son. Come on. Sign yeah, up. Fair play, fair. Yeah, hey, look, you gotta do what you gotta do. All right. Um, plug your stuff so we can get out of here. Oh my god, look at us actually not even an ish episode. I know. Um, it's gonna be under after I edit. Yeah. Fear of me having people coming over. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Indie Ball Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter um, just posted a video of us rating and then tier ranking every uh, Indie Ball logo from the four major leagues. And I think we'll probably have another one going up where uh, Nick and I are trying to see who's better at guessing the distance of Indie Ball bus trips. It does not go well for one of us. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, God. So many people are going to draw conclusions from this, which is going to be even funnier when you put this up on Friday and this comes out on Saturday. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's fair point. Oh, that's, oh, that's what's going to make this part funny. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, so I guess I should do the plugs here uh, so that way we don't cross the threshold of me spending more time with you than your actual family does uh, for like the 10th week in a row. Uh, any event, <laughs> that's why I assume you're doing uh, whatever road trip thing you're doing to that way, you know, you could level the, the hours out. But uh, so, yeah, uh, wherever you find Indie Ball Reports, pretty much that everywhere, except for on uh, Twitter X, which I'm just going to go with the hybrid name of that, uh, because I assume at some point, it's going to go belly up and it'll return to Twitter because, you know, it made sense to change the branding. One of the most, you know, name recognition, recall the memory, social media sites in, uh, I think, pretty much the history of the Internet, to be quite honest with you, seeing stuff there with Facebook and MySpace. It's kind of there. Uh, so it's we're going to keep calling it Twitter. It's Indie Ball Pod on there, regardless of what it's called. Uh, Indie Ball Report everywhere else. Uh, follow the show everywhere, every platform it's on there. Rate, review, subscribe. Try to migrate off of Stitcher. If you're still one of the two to four people that listen there, they're discontinuing their whole podcasting service. So you don't want to be on there uh, for when that happens. So, yeah. Uh, any case, so that's pretty much all I got to plug. So All right, man. All right. Sounds good. Look at us. Not bad work. I know. We're efficient here. You may not get a, a whole scraps episode out of it, but, you know, you had a bonus episode that went out earlier in the week. That was a whole. Extent. I have a ton of scraps to post, bro. I'm all good for sure. Yeah. Also, by the yeah. way, he has a, a bonus episode come, stemming from last week's episode where we talked about an expansion, Frontier League type of thing. Uh, that's Indie Ball Nation uh, feed for, was it Podbean or is it on other places? 
no, it's on all major podcast platforms. There we go. So go Get do that it. one. Yeah, that and also at some point there's a separate bonus episode that I sent you. That I meant to post, but I just sent it because I was like, I'm not going to get around to posting this. That's also a kind of expansion thing too. So be on the look for that. So, yeah. Uh, that all said, nothing left to add. So until next time, don't forget to play ball.